Hello, and welcome to Sprocket, the bicycling podcast. I'm Joan Pettit, reporting in Portland, Oregon. I'm Emily Geis. And I'm Armando Luna, also in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yes, we are all in Portland. And it has been a while. Today, we are going to talk about a few recent bike adventures we've had. Armando will be talking about his experience being on the Ride for Racial Justice cohort for Steamboat Gravel. Emily will share her experiences bike camping along the CNO Canal, and I'll be talking about camping and bicycling on Lopez Island in the San Juan Islands. So let's uh, let's just dive right in. Armando, you want to tell us about your uh, your summer bike adventure? Sure. Uh, so the end of last year, um, it was brought to my attention that there was um, uh, a race. There's a race called Steamboat Gravel. And I, I had heard of it before, um, but it's in Colorado. It's in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And it never really was on my um, radar too much because one, I don't really race. Uh, and two, it's in Colorado. <laughs> so uh, there's an organization called the Ride for Racial Justice. And it was started by um, a couple of guys. One is Marcus Robinson, um, a cyclist, a black, black man cyclist uh, in Denver, Colorado. And a friend of his, Neil Henderson, and it came out of um, the George Floyd killing. Um, people not feeling safe to ride, people of color not feeling safe to ride. And so they held a, a Ride for Racial Justice um, ride in Denver. And from that point on, they hooked up with some folks from Steamboat Gravel to increase uh, uh, people of color riding in the race. So they started, I think it was 2020 or 2021, I'd had to double check. Um, and they had, I believe, 25 applicants show up and ride in the race. And then the next oh. year, they had 25 applicants ride in the race. And then last year, or this year, 2023, um, they moved it up to 30 applicants. So awesome. um, I'm not totally sure how many applications they get. I know, I think in the first year, they got like 100 people applying. Uh, and they picked 25. Oh, wow. Um, but this year, I don't know. I don't remember if they ever told us how many people applied. Um, but I didn't want to apply. And somebody said, oh, you should apply. You should totally apply. I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because I'm not a racer. And I sort of didn't want to take somebody's mm -hmm. place, you know, uh, that really wanted to do it. So I waited and waited, waited. And then I waited until the last day that you could submit <laughs> an application <laughs> and submitted my application. And it's, it's funny because it's, it, it was a video application. And so you had oh. to submit a two minute video. Uh, oh gosh. I, I don't think they had us necessarily um, have specific talking points, but they gave us a general idea of some talking points. And so I rode around my neighborhood and I um, shot some video of myself, did selfie videos, which is the thing I'd hardly ever do. And uh, stood in front of some signs and some, uh, other things and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll include some photos it's talked about what I did here in Portland you know what do I do um, what do I do in the in the biking community how do I uh, represent for racial justice things like that and so I made a little video I think it was two minutes and eight seconds long so just a little bit um, <laughs> okay little let bit me older. ask you a question oh yeah how long how much time did you spend put into making that two minute video <laughs> oh actually not i'm um, two hours three hours maybe oh okay that's yeah, not very good. long at all that would have been like a month-long project well, yeah i had i mean i had things <laughs> in my head already um the the longest part of it was having to do retakes because i was i was saying what mm -hmm. i was saying and then i had i messed up and i had to take it over again but i didn't mm -hmm. do too many i mean probably three takes is the longest i ever i, I did um they were i mean it's two minutes so it's not a long time you don't have to speak mm -hmm. for very long and you can say what you need to say in, you know, 20 seconds. So it wasn't, it wasn't too long, but like one of the couple of the shots was me riding, you know, holding the camera, riding and filming myself and talking to the camera at the same time. And then a car would go by and I'm like, dang it, I have to do it over again. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's honestly, I have enough problem trying to take still photos, like while I'm riding, especially <laughs> of myself. So well, that yeah. I got down. <laughs> it's I know you're really good at that. So I don't know. I'm just, uh, that's impressive. Is what yeah. I'm you could have said the reason you should accept me is because I have the ability to do this. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, they want to, they want to know your social media handles and they want to, you know, um, if you have Strava, they want to look at your Strava. So they look at all a bunch of different stuff. Right. Um, so I submitted it and, and I got selected. I got selected with one of the 30 people this year. And I was really happy because, um, I was, awesome. uh, concerned about some people that I knew that were applying. Um, one of them, is Jeremy Gomez, Jeremy in the cycling community here, he applied and he got in too. So I was really happy. Yay. And, and then another, um, our friend Abe, who I wasn't sure was applying until I found out he got in because um, he wasn't living in Portland at the time. Um, so, yeah, so that was really exciting. And we met every month. We had a meeting, a team meeting. And every month they talked about something uh, having to do with um, riding in the race. So the race you can have, there are four categories. You can do 36 miles, 60 miles. 100 miles or 144 miles those are the four different courses oh my goodness and man 144 miles so the no. first thing i thought of the first thing i thought of is you're riding in steamboat colorado and the elevation in steamboat itself is 6800 feet oh. i think the average elevation of the you know from the ride if you do the whole ride well if you do like the 144 I think the average elevation is somewhere between 7,000 and 7,200 feet, like what you're going to be riding. Oh my gosh. So not only are you riding on gravel, <laughs> but you're riding at really high elevation. And that was the one thing I was really concerned about was the elevation. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, one of the leaders, Neil, Neil Henderson, uh, I think he works for Wahoo. Um, mm -hmm. Also, he's a good trainer. He's a, a trainer and he helped us and talked us through things. We had um, one of the meetings. We had the guy that founded. Um, oh no, I'm going to space out the nutrition. Scratch, scratch nutrition, uh, like the hydration and gummies and all that. So the one of the guys, I think he founded it, um, presented at our our team meeting, and it was mm -hmm. really interesting. I n I had never really thought about nutrition a lot, and he explained it very well. Um, so I was really happy about that. So they really gave you a lot of like support through these meetings oh, yeah. and, and preparation. And, and you all talked about training and all that yep. stuff along the way. And we had did a, you, did a separate you have group. To train? Did I have to train? Yeah. Um, I, so like, I signed up for the 60 mile. Uh -huh. uh, and a couple of reasons why I signed up for the 60 mile is one, I knew I could do it with not a lot of training, not a lot of super hard training. Um, okay. And too, because I wanted to have time at the end of the ride to actually hang out with my team and represent. Right. I think, cause I think mm -hmm. that's one thing about this is for me, it was sort of like a job, you know, this is a, a like a, a weekend job where I go in, I represent, I'm there to represent ride for racial justice, talk to people, tell them about mm -hmm. ride for racial justice, you know, what we're doing, things like that. Um, so I didn't see it as like, Oh, I'm going to, to race this ride and do, you know, I'm going to do this thing. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, I'm there I'm for them. Right. I'm there for them. And I, I could enjoy myself. I could have a challenge for myself doing a 60 mile. Um, and I had plenty of time to, you know, represent and help out and cheerlead or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So I chose the 60 mile one. Yeah. If I, uh, a couple of guys that did the, the 144, you know, some of them ran into issues and they didn't finish to like way later at night, which was awesome. Um, but I mean, I would have finished after them. <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah. to ask, like, how long is it like one day? Or, yeah, like, it's all one day. All these things happen day? one day. Wow. And it's could... it's interesting because they had the way they um, timed the, the uh, start points. Our race, the 60 mile race, left at 7 a.m. But the 144 folks, oh no, the 100 folks left at 9 and so I think it had to do with the courses and where the courses crossed each other and things like that. Mm. Um, I didn't. So it was all separate courses. Um, for each... Some parts were shared. A lot of parts. Some okay. parts were shared, which was really scary because I've never I've done a race, but I've never uh -huh. done a race with pro racers. And I know what, what a car sounds like coming behind me. And I know what a truck sounds like and a motorcycle and a drone but I have never heard pro racer peloton speed group of cyclists coming up behind me. 
And let me there tell you, you, it makes a certain <laughs> noise that it's like, what is that noise? It's like, and I was like, what is Are you that saying noise? they're like louder and then you get out of the way than an 18 wheeler? Oh, it's it's much scarier than 18 because you know what 18 wheeler is and you just can move over, right? But you hear this yeah, noise yeah, yeah. and you don't know what it is. And oh my gosh, there's a group of like, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people just flying by you. Fly, I mean, I'm, I'm doing that like, is... I don't know. 10, 12 miles an hour, like going uphill. And they're doing like 25, 30, just blowing by you. On gravel wow. too. On wow. gravel, so fast. They are so fast. And then so from then so... on, I could hear that and just get out of the way. <laughs> That's so interesting because a lot of times in these things, I would think you would organize it so that the, I mean, not that the people doing 60 miles are always going to be the, sl the slower than the people doing, but probably, you know, and just the way that they set it up to have you all take off and then basically get past. Well, but by... that's how fast they were. That's, you know, yeah. like so like the people that raced in the 60 miles, they were done in like, you know, two and a half hours. They're averaging like almost 30 miles an hour, right? They were hauling. That's amazing. On gravel? On gravel, That's yes. That's amazing. That's so fast. And so these I guys know. that are doing 100 and 144, they're going so fast. I mean, there's no, I mean, yes, you, you know, you try to do it that way, but there's no way you could plan for all of that, especially how fast these people were going. And then I, and then in my head, I was trying to like predict when the next time they were going to blaze by me <laughs> <laughs> or when the courses didn't merge anymore. Cause there was, I think there was a point where the courses totally didn't merge anymore. And then I felt safe. <laughs> well, that is a wow. really interesting experience to be like, when am I going to be terrified by the other exactly. bicyclists exactly. passing? Yeah, huh. that's not that I would never have thought about that as like a thing. You yeah, know? I, did, I didn't think it'd be either. And, I, uh, we had each, everybody had um, mentors. So we got to talk to a mentor, somebody who did it, who was on the ride for racial justice team like the previous year or the year before. And uh, we could ask oh, them questions cool, and, cool. you know, what about this or what about this? Uh, but it was organized really well. Um, I ended up driving out with my friend Abe rather than flying out, uh, which was good because I, uh, I got to do a road trip. I haven't done a road trip in forever and got to see, mm -hmm. you know, some beautiful country. It's awesome. Did you do, I mean, I, so before you signed up to do this, you've done some gravel, right? Like you yeah. had you done any, you had done some, some of the gravel events around here. Yeah, I've right? done cycle Oregon gravel, which is a weekend gravel ride. Mm -hmm. And it's not a race. So it's a ride. Mm -hmm, um, I did right. do a race earlier in the spring. Um, the uh, West coast gravel race. Although he's, I, I said something to the organizer. I'm like, ah, this race is, is done really well. And he's like, Oh no timed event i call it a timed event i'm like oh that's such a good a much better way of expressing it for me because i'm not racing i'm i am writing a timed event <laughs> no i think that's a really interesting thing because right some people will do these events and they're going to be competitive even right. if it doesn't matter even if nobody's keeping track of who wins they still want to win but i think the the emphasis on racing uh may may draw in some people but there are other people who just don't Aren't, aren't, aren't doing it to compete, but because they want to do like a supported event. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, for it's like, it's more for the experience, you know, rather than like the racing aspect of it. Right. So, and I think a, a big part of that, although they said, um, the roads were open to, to traffic, right. It's, they weren't closed roads, but they're, oh. I mean, they're gravel. It's, it's, it's the middle of nowhere. I mean, I think we ran into like five or six cars the whole day, right? Did they have like warning? I assume they had like warning signs or something. You they, know? they had Cause... signs that the race was on and, and everybody knows that it's happening. It's not a huge community that, in that area. So, oh, uh, yeah. okay. And so is it, um, what, what was, what was it? What were some of the big surprises for you? And either getting ready for the event or participating in it. I think the biggest surprise was the was the speed of those uh, pro racers. I, I that's <laughs> something I never even thought about. I, and I actually, I shouldn't say I didn't think about it because I was trying. They had the maps of all the courses, and I was I wanted to see one map with all the courses on it instead of all the courses with in like separate maps but i could never find that and uh i think that would have helped me out 
because I would have I would have definitely realized, oh man, at this point we're just totally gonna get blasted. <laughs> yeah, it's like getting it's like getting lapped by a Peloton or something. Exactly. Though, That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, like a stampeding Peloton. Huh. And so what was um what was easier than you expected? Easier. Uh, I guess I would just say the ride itself was easier than I expected. Um, I think part of that has to do with living in, in Oregon, um, because that, they, you know, they, they advertise a champagne gravel, which is like, you know, I guess, smaller gravel pea size and smaller gravel roads, things like that. Right. And if you've ridden gravel here in Oregon, or any of the rural roads in Oregon, you know, it's, it's totally messed up and there's potholes <laughs> and huge boulders and baby heads, things like that. And so having to ride that, doing things like cycle Oregon or West coast gravel and those types of roads, the forest logging roads, you know, mm-hmm. they are, they are rutted out. They are just jacked rock. up. Yeah. They're jacked up. And so From all the, yeah, the trucks and everything. Yeah. So, um, riding on those, it was, it was fine. It, I would say it was, it was road plus in, in, uh, <laughs> right. So it, it was like the advantages of being on a gravel road, not having a lot of traffic, you know, except for the terrifying, right. uh, other cyclists. Uh, but, <laughs> but without the disadvantages usually of like being on something that's uncomfortable or doesn't feel good to ride on or Correct. like poorly maintained. <laughs> right. And, and it was a beautiful day that day. It was, um, that's nice. actually it was a little bit, probably too warm because I think, uh, I think the high temperature was in the low nineties that day. And they, they said in the mountains at that elevation, any temperature high is like, it feels like 10 degrees higher. So um, once I started realizing that, like, so we left at seven and I was, it was a little chilly. um, But a lot of the roads we were riding in were still in the shadows of the mountains. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking to myself, I need to, I need to, this is where I need to like ride a lot harder than I thought I would need to ride. So I can get further ahead before the heat comes because you're in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And once you're, once you're in the sun, you're in the sun the whole day. There's no, there's no trees you're, you know, riding under, there's no shaded areas. You're just there in the sun the whole day. Oh, so it's like pretty open country. Very open. Yeah. Gotcha. Would so, you, Oh, go ahead, Emily. Well, I have a question, Armando, like what was the, how'd you feel like the reception of like you and the team was at the race. Like, did you feel welcome? And oh supported? yeah. Um, so the race organizers are awesome. We felt really welcomed by the race organizers. Um, and a lot of the people, a lot of the people that um, ride in a steamboat gravel have done it before. So they were familiar with ride for racial justice and we had a booth set up and, you know, we could work the booth and talk to people, things like that. Um, yeah, and everybody was very welcoming. The businesses, you know, were great. They were all set up for that. Um, it was really fun having um, the All Bodies on Bike team there also. They invited us to a, a dinner one oh, night. Bad. So we got to go to their place um, for dinner and uh, see some folks that we knew. And, oh, that's uh, fun. Oh, yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. We got to um, hang out with them. It, it was funny, though, because uh, we're you know, we stayed at, it's a ski resort, you know, so we stayed in these great condos and stuff. And so I was looking on the map to see where theirs was. And there was, theirs was like, I don't know, maybe a half a mile away, maybe three quarters of a mile away from our condo. I'm like, oh, it's really close. But I didn't in my head, I'm like, oh, it's really close. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's close. Yeah. (laughs) Steamboat close up the mountain. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, Oh, you're used to like, you were thinking like city close. Like, (laughs) <laughs> riding up and up and up and up and up and oh my gosh and uh it's funny because one of the guys was like i'm gonna go home and take a shower first and change out of this kit you know because we i think we did our uh our practice ride that day and uh he's like i'm gonna go home and change first and so i messaged him when i got there i'm like dude i'm totally sopped and not because the rain and i'm just sopped with you needed you needed to take a ski lift up to their place. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see them running. I wish it was running. I would have took the ski lift up and rode down. Yeah, I mean, ski lifts are not just for like skiing, you know. Right. They're also to getting to the party. Yes. Exactly. Yes. 
So Armando, you've talked about on the podcast before about how you are, you know, doing some different kind of riding, like you used to be mostly a transportation rider or social rider. Commuter, social rides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you started doing some more longer rides, I think some, well, I guess they were more grass, some road and gravel. So how do you, how are you feeling now about like, and this is, is, this is the furthest you've ever traveled for a bike event right oh, yeah, the other totally, ones have totally. been like in oregon right exactly so how are you feeling now about these kinds of events and gravel this kind of riding well i think it, i i'd like i've had friends in all different outside disciplines of cycling right whether it's commuting or social um but now the racing the racing community i'm going to call it the racing community it's i have you know that's that was always new for me and with uh cheerleading at cycle cross races and starting to do these races uh it's different yeah it's totally different audience totally different people um but it's been great especially cycle cross that's been so fun um i'm not racing because i know i will get hurt um but i do like to go and cheerlead and uh the the gravel races are fun and it and i think it makes a difference i think the representation makes a difference and so um a group of us uh alumni now for the ride for racial justice team signed up for um the mid-south race which is in Oklahoma. Oh, that's even further. Yeah, and that's yeah. a is a hundred miles. The one I'm signing up for. So that would be a, a true gravel century. When's when's that's that in one? March, March, March twenty. Oh, March. But that's oh probably gosh, but that's March. good because you don't want to be in Oklahoma in the middle of summer riding. Well, oh so yeah, so it just depends if it rains or not, if how rainy it is, because it's they have that peanut butter mud that Oregon has on the outback, so. Oh, the stuff yeah. that's like super sticky yep. Yep. and like just clogs everything up. Yep. That'll be that'll be a good motivator though to keep riding through the winter and riding maybe even winter, yeah. adding some miles. So that's great. That's exciting. I didn't know you were going to do yeah. that. Yeah, I signed up for that. Yeah, and so and so that's not that's like just an informal group of people. It's not a right. formal program. Right. Oh. Yeah, and then I'm, I'll probably sign up again for the. Uh, the steamboat gravel, but, um, because oh, wow. once, we, once we finished, um, because uh, we, we can't be part of another cohort again. Uh, but yeah. once we finished on the we finished the, the ride, the race was on a Sunday, and then we were done. But then on that Monday before we left, um, Abe and I volunteered to help do cleanup and some other stuff. And so if you volunteer, you get like dibs on registering. So we're gonna get. Um, oh. We'll nice. be able to register before everybody else because it's, it's three thousand spots and they always fill up. So that's oh right. Gosh. So you get first priority then. First priority. Three thousand yeah. people in this come to this people. race. Yeah. Oh my god! I think I was picturing like a couple hundred people. Oh like... yeah, it's, it's huge. <laughs> oh yeah, my god! It gosh. takes over the town. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for telling us about oh, that. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, that sounds so cool. Uh, Armando, that sounds really interesting. Well, Emily, you had a very recent, interesting, exciting bike adventure yourself. So, do you want to you want to yes, tell us about your, tell it us was, about your trip? Well, uh, there was absolutely no racing involved whatsoever. <laughs> um, Not even I racing sunset. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no there was no no maybe a race against time was the only thing that was kind of racy you know um so I uh one of my long uh long-term goals for like bike uh camping and like a trip I've always wanted to take is to bike on on the CNO canal towpath and um that's an east coast uh like kind of it's not a rail trail because it was never a railroad. Um, well, it's the canal path. It, it's, it's, it's the canal, the canal path. Yeah, it's a right. it's a mule. It it was the mules would have used the what you bike on. Like they use the towpath, and so um, to pull the boats. To pull the boats. Yes, to pull, to the, pull the canal boats. <laughs> along oh really? Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, the CNO canal um, was 
built starting in like the 1820s, finished up in the mid, you know, 1800s, and it operated until 1923. And so it was um, hand dug all the way from Cumberland, Maryland, in the Western Appalachians, down to um, Washington, D.C. And it was um, originally meant to carry mostly coal from the Appalachian Mountains um, down to D.C. to be sold. And it did carry other goods. And so um, it is uh, no longer, you know, it's not a working canal by any means right now. Um, but it was in the 50s, there was a movement to preserve it as a park. And it's now a national historical park. And the towpath is really popular. And so I grew up in the area. I grew up just outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And so I'd always wanted to do this, you know, right on this canal. And it's a, about 184 miles is the whole thing. And so I found um, serendipitously, I found a cheap flight and decided to do it in mid-September because I knew it would not be as hot. The humidity wouldn't be as bad, um, but it wouldn't be like super cold yet. Um, so that's what I did. So I flew into DC on September 12th, stayed the night. Like I brought my, I brought a bike Friday folding bike earlier in the year, a used one, and I packed it up into a, a cardboard bike box and brought it with me and all my stuff on the plane and stayed in a hostel, unpacked, put the bike back together and just like took off from the hostel because the trail um, the towpath starts right um, in downtown DC. That's, that's actually, that's so cool that you can just fly into DC and mm -hmm. basically start your bike camping trip from the middle of the city like that. Like yeah. you don't have to get out to a, a rural area or something like that. So it no. makes it a lot more accessible. Yeah. I, you know, I lived in DC for two years from 2006 to 2008 and like, I didn't really, that was kind of before I was biking and like, I didn't realize how many great bike trails like are in, like go in and out of DC city, like not just the Metro, but the city and the CNO is one of them. And so it starts um, like literally on the Potomac and then you ride through Georgetown and you just keep riding west and you go through um a lot of like small towns and everything is um like the path is pretty wide like probably about like 10 12 feet it's mostly like you know crushed gravel maybe like you know a bit of like packed sand hard earth and you are it goes along the Potomac River the whole way so it's really lovely because you've always got the Potomac River on one side and like the canal on the other and sometimes the canal has water and sometimes it's just nature's taken over and it's filled with trees and greenery and such so, and it's nice because there's a lot of historic spots along the way. If you like, if you like history, it's fun to do that. Well, it makes sense, right? Because it was built, it was built not just to get right to connect basically, mm -hmm. to, right? Like it was a commerce. It was, it was boat commerce, right? So right. it goes through some, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because there's like, well, there's layers too, because like there's, there's like civil war things that happened in the area. There's like the history of the canal. There's like, you know, some like natural history, you know, like it go, you go past Great Falls, uh, Maryland, which is where the bedrock changes. And so you have these, you go from a really hard bedrock to the softer rock um, that leads out you out to the Chesapeake Bay. And so you have these massive waterfalls. Um, it's gorgeous. And it's, it's so, and I'd never there. been there before. Yeah. And it was, it was so beautiful to ride past it and just see it. And I really, um, gosh, it, despite it being like really humid the first day, um, I had good weather the rest of the time. And it was just like, so beautiful riding like through the Appalachian Mountains and next to the Potomac and just feeling like you know seeing all these things that I grew up with and like getting to experience them 
by bike was really magical. And it was just so like one of the nicest things I think was that was, I mean, there was a fair amount of people, but it never felt like crowded, you know, like there were long stretches where I was like mostly by myself and I saw a lot of animals too. So. And when you say you were mostly by yourself, was that in a way that felt like I'm in this wonderful, beautiful spot and I get to enjoy it all to myself? Or was it in a way of like, ah, it's feeling a little, I'm feeling a little isolated and scared out here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I do. Um, honestly, I didn't really feel like scared or isolated really um, because there are many small towns that grew up along the canal route. And so it's very easy to see people, get snacks, get supplies. You know, you can totally do this, you know, like, like for going from in to in. I camped uh, most nights except for one because they have a fantastic, um, you know, there's about a hiker biker site that's free about every five miles. Um, and like people were so friendly and I was really surprised. Like every person would like give you a little wave or a nod or like a good morning or like the little, you know, a little head jerk up, like acknowledgement of like, you know, like, Hey, we're both humans, you know? Yeah. So and that so made me, you... that made me feel like I, if something happened, like, you know, I, someone would stop and help me. So. And so you were just camping like in a tent camping or were the, was mm -hmm. it like, uh, did you stay at a place or oh, was it all tent, tent camping? Yes, I was tent camping. So I, this was a solo trip. This was the first like solo trip I'd ever done like this and the longest one and so I had yeah I was just tent camping because each of the hiker biker spots have um they've got like a grassy area for tents they've got a fireplace ring they've got a picnic table and they have um water and like a water well and a porta potty so they're really nicely set up and I would just like, you know, ride until I like, I was aiming for about 40 miles a day, you know, and yeah, so once I got to like the spot that I wanted to, I would like pull in and like set up my tent and, you know, chill out for a little bit <laughs> and then try to make dinner before like the mosquitoes like, you know, descended and <laughs> Cause you know, so, you're right by, you're right by the river. So there's like, you can't really escape them. So it was a, a camping, like food camping, like camping food, or were you able to like, were there places along the trail that you could hop off and go to a store or to a restaurant? Yes, there were, I did, I kind of did a mix cause I wasn't sure like what my timing would look like. And so I had, I did have like enough dehydrated meals and like, oh man, one of them was so terrible. I had this like three bean chili and it was awful. Like, oh, no. gosh, <laughs> so disappointing. It and was then, so bad that you remember it. <laughs> oh gosh, it was just beans and water. It was just oh, no. real bad. I know, I know. The other ones I had were good though. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of like, you know, the little towns, like there's usually a sign that says like, <clears throat> you know, where you can exit the towpath to get to like go. And, and um, the, there's a fantastic app um, for the CNO Canal uh, that's called the uh, CNO Canal Experience. Yeah, or the CNO Canal Explorer, sorry. And so that is awesome. It has like, you know, it lists like where all of the towns are, where are places you can stay, where is like food that's along the towpath, like where are the camping sites and like it's a GPS so you can see like, oh, I have like five miles to go to my next like camping site or like five miles to next meal. And I will say like, um, oh man, I missed the, like the East Coast. For some reason, it's a thing, it's more of a thing there that like you can get 
pretty good food in gas stations, you know, like your Sheetzes, your Wawas, you know, and like a lot and even like independent ones, like where I ended my trip, there's just this like little restaurant inside this gas station. And so I did have like, I did have a Sheetz hoagie that was just oh, tremendous it was so good <laughs> and were you I like so I was like real food I'm so excited <laughs> you were like the hoagie is the food of my childhood the food of my yes <laughs> yes right right exactly exactly and I I mean I ate a lot of snacks you know because I was doing like I was just like continuously like biking for you know five six hours a day and I would take rest and stuff but I, I was like pretty hungry can you talk about the um because when when you first got back you and I chatted a little bit about the like surface it, it's not it, it's unpaved right and your actual yes. experience of riding on that how was that it wasn't oh, champagne gravel was it it was <laughs> yeah unlike Armando's champagne gravel this I would say this was maybe like a Bud Light gravel experience you know or maybe like a miller light because you know that's the champagne. miller light is the champagne of beers. the champagne of beers yeah so it was definitely it, it was interesting because it like would change every so often like coming out of dc um it was this kind of yellow sort of little bit sandy like pretty fine gravel um and then gosh I think the further the further into Maryland it went and then it be and it became sort of like double track and it was like some like fine sort of cinders um with like a strip of grass running down the middle and then going like even and then once we hit um once I hit Harper's Ferry which is where uh you cry um that's like uh, uh, you, then you've got West Virginia is across the way um, and you're getting even further into the mountains and it became like chunkier, shall we say. Um, and it was I was impressed with like the maintenance of it, though, like it had clearly been like recently mowed like on the sides, you know, like nothing was overgrown. And there I mean, there were some potholes and such, which was to be expected. But it was pretty, you know, it did get a little chunkier and there were some root, you know, there'd be some roots, but like, um, it was a little tougher because unlike Armando, I did, I didn't train a ton for this and I definitely didn't train a ton on like gravel. So it was, and I, you know, and I was carrying like two, two full panniers, you know, I had a, uh, I had my sleeping bag and my tent on the front strapped to the handlebars. And so I had, I was loaded down too. So I definitely went slower than I uh, anticipated on that surface. Yeah. And, and so that got a little bit tiring. Yeah, it did. It was, you know, I was surprised. It was more tiring than I thought. Um, especially the, uh, so I had my bike Friday folding bike and then it has 20 inch wheels and I have like I think two inch tires on them and uh the last day it just it started raining like very early in the morning and it just kept pouring down and like wow that was super hard to struggle through like I only did eight miles that day and I was supposed to do 20 and I was like I just you were done sucks. you were done yeah this <laughs> I was done and then like you know um the the older gentleman who I ended up traveling with for a few days he was like you know what the roughest part of the trail is like at the end towards Cumberland and like and like literally it's like two small rivers like running down the towpath like that's how much that's rain it was terrible. you know I was fully I was like <laughs> I let me tell you I realized then, like, I was like, wow, I really should have brought fenders because this is like everything. I mean, I had my like, you know, cleverhood poncho on and I had rain pants, but like my, my, there was no way everything could stay, like my feet were wet. There was just so much rain. So that was a real slog. That was very difficult. 
I mean, and I think that's sometimes you're like, you know what? I'm just done. I don't need to go the number of miles I was planning to go. No. And I had ridden 50 miles the day before, which was the longest I've done in a single day. And so I was already like pretty tired. You know, I'd done like 150 miles by that point. So I was, I was tired and I was like, you know, this is the farthest I've ever gone. I'm, I'm really good. (laughs) And I saw so many beautiful things like, gosh, I, you know, I, like I saw all these white-tailed deer in the morning. I got to see lots of basking turtles. You know, I I ate a pawpaw fruit, um, which is native to the Appalachian area. Kind of looks a little bit like a mango, but is more like soft and custardy on the inside. Um, yeah, it was really so. I was like, I feel fulfilled with this experience. Did you, you go to the, did you go back to the beginning or how did you, once you ended, what did, what happened then? Oh, I got picked up by my parents. Oh, okay. So I ended up in this little town called Pawpaw, West Virginia. And so it was not that far from Cumberland, Maryland. And my parents only live about two hours away. And so they were coming to pick me up anyway. And I just called them because I had, you know, because service is like generally pretty good, but it was you know, the further west you go, the like spottier it gets. And I had service and I called them and I was like, would you mind just picking me up in this town? Because I'm so wet. I've never been so wet and I cannot go any further. And they were like, no problem. So, yeah. So, so it was just me and my new friend, Jeff, hanging out in this little <laughs> restaurant inside a Liberty gas station in Pawpaw, West Virginia. <laughs> but also Just, it was super helpful that you had the local knowledge from him to tell you like, actually the rest of this, it doesn't get better from here in terms of writing yes. conditions, right? Yeah. That helped you make your decision. Yeah, that was, that was good to know. Cause I'm not sure. I don't know what I would have done. It was, and also the, you know, and it was nice because he was like, he knew that there was like a little, that this gas station, like this was the only restaurant in town was in this spot. And, and I, I don't, don't think I would have known that. I don't think that was on the, the, the app. So. So where does this leave you in terms of thinking about other kind of bike camping adventures that you want to do or might be Um, interested in? Well, I'm, I, you know, really actually enjoyed doing it more. You know, I spent most of the summer planning this trip and like, I was just so excited that like, like the first day I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's really happening. I had this big smile on my face. (laughs) So I found it's like not as scary to travel by myself as I thought, like, you know, people were really friendly and helpful and like, um, and I did enough planning that I never felt like, um, you know, I didn't have any emergency situations happen, um, which was great. And um, I think one thing I learned is like, maybe I don't like camping outside multiple nights. (laughs) And maybe I would like, stay inside more often if I did something like this again but um yeah I would totally do another multi-day uh bike camping trip and like I learned I love going on trails because you do not have to worry well there's no peloton coming up behind you for one thing which is great (laughs) yeah it's got that that. yeah and there's there's you don't have to worry about any cars and it's like really it's yeah and it's so it was so peaceful and quiet and yeah it was fantastic yeah that sounds like a really great trip yeah it was you know if anyone ever has a chance to go to the Appalachian Mountains I would like to really recommend it I would also like to recommend I did stay at an inn one night in Harpers Ferry uh in West Virginia and that was never been there either and that was really beautiful and um really scenic town so i would i'd say that that's a good place to check out too and it's right off the uh towpath well that's that's a great uh 
trip, great tips. And um, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So, yeah. uh, so I had, um, I had a, an adventure a little closer to home than what you all had. Um, my buddy Matthew and I went up to Lopez Island in the San Juan Islands in September and basically went car camping and took our bikes. And I always have these ideas of like, and I'm going to take the train and then I'm going to bike to this place and then I'm going to take a ferry. And then. Oh my gosh. But Anna Cortez, where you get the ferry from is so hard to get there by anything other than car. It is really hard and there it's unfortunate. are unfortunate. And there used to be a ferry, I think, from Seattle into the San Juan Islands, but there isn't any more. From Seattle, you can go to Victoria, you can go to Bainbridge Island, but you can't go into the San Juan Islands anywhere by ferry. So we ended up, yeah. And then one of the plans was to one of the ideas, not a plan, was to take the car to the ferry terminal. And then go on to the ferry just with our bikes and like panniers loaded full of stuff. Yeah, Um, I did that. And yeah, and well, I was not, I, it just got, it's just car culture makes it so (laughs) much easier to just drive places, right? So uh, because we wanted to like bring a cooler to the campground and things like that. So basically we ended up driving from here up to Anacortes, uh, getting on the ferry, um, with the car and then driving to, um, the campground. And so we stayed at this great campground called Odlin Park or Oldland County Park, uh, which is right near the ferry terminal. And we had, I think the most beautiful, campground uh campsite that I have ever had it's like right there on the water this beautiful spot um and Lopez Island is um a really great spot for bicycling it's got a small village but really it's like a rural community of about 4,000 people and they don't have a lot of bike specific infrastructure right like it's but it's just it's very bike friendly because of all the San Juan islands. It doesn't have as much elevation. Like some of the other islands are a lot steeper. Like Orcas, I guess, has just some really uh, steep spots. Um, whereas this one is lower and there's just not that much traffic. So especially if you avoid like this one main center road down the middle of the island, you can have like a pretty low key bicycling experience. And what I saw too, there's a, company that rents e-bikes there so there are a lot of folks who come and stay maybe camping or stay in some of the inns but then end up um e-biking all around and um anyway so we basically went and drove into this campground and we did a little bit of driving around the island and then we also did some exploring by bike it was a really nice spot to bike around the campground um had like porta potties and it had some running water but it didn't have proper bathrooms but the lopez village like tourism department or whatever has a public (laughs) bathroom and showers in the little town for free. So you can actually go into the town and like take a shower if you want, which I enjoy taking showers occasionally, especially when I'm camping um, or doing things like riding my bike around. Uh, So um, there, there was a couple really gorgeous spots that we were able to get to. And they do, they also give you a lot of maps of good places to bike around the island. There was this place we went to called Shark Reef Nature Trail where we biked to it. And then we didn't have bike locks with us because we hadn't wanted to carry the extra weight. So then we ended up like walking down this really kind of narrow overgrown trail with like, we didn't ride our bikes on this trail, but we like sort of I mean, we weren't bushwhacking because they were foot trails, but we like carried our bikes down to this uh, just so that we wouldn't leave our, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the bike theft statistics are for Lopez Island, but I didn't want to find out. Um, So, (laughs) and then, you know, you'd be out on this like gorgeous outcropping of rocks overlooking like this, these beautiful sounds and bays. 
There was another bay that we went to called Watma Bay that was just incredible. So it was like full on Pacific Northwest beauty, just like the things that make it gorgeous up here. There was just tons of that. And then to be able to get there by bike just felt extra. It just felt Mm -hmm. great. It felt great. It was really nice to go. I, I have such a hard time planning these trips. I feel like it's just, it's so hard for me to like, understand, like, what's it actually going to be bike to like to bike around there? What's it actually going to be? How far is it going to feel like, is mm-hmm. it, is it going to feel like a slog to get into the village or is it going to feel like it's easy to get into the village? So we ended up, I think, doing a little bit more driving and we ended up eating out at restaurants, probably a little mm. more than we uh, planned, but it was, it was great. It was a really nice trip. Um, it was a really, fa- we were, there was one day we were actually going to go over to a different island, but the ferries have been getting a lot of the ferries have had the same staffing problems as everywhere. Mm. So one day a ferry got canceled. So we ended up just spending the entire time on yeah. Lopez Island. And then yeah. the last night, there's, oh. there's no bridges between the no. islands. So mm-hmm. the only right. So there's the only way you can get yeah. off island is by a ferry. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have this idea of like, it's so nice to take the ferry. Like I'm being multimodal, but those those ferries are like part of the interstate highway system. They are run yeah, they're by run, like they're run by Washington Department of Transportation. Washington Department of Transportation and like they mean kid, business. They and the kids those... like take ferries to get to school in mm-hmm. some of those islands. Like so they are part of like the transportation yeah. infrastructure. And it's it's so much easier to like drive on and off them than bike on and off them you know mm-hmm. so uh anyway but i uh, i definitely recommend lopez island i had been i had only been to the san juan islands like a little bit on boats so it was a really great opportunity to just enjoy you know in september can be a really nice time of year to travel mm-hmm. because it's a lot quieter but the weather's still nice i mean it was pretty chilly but um it was a great it was yeah. a great trip John, when you did the mountain bike thing camp up there, where did you do that? Oh, the mountain bike camp that Carrie and I did last year. No, that was on Vashon Island. So north of Olympia. Okay. So that was, um, yeah, that was a great. A different island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually like kind of southwest of Seattle and north of Olympia. Right. So from there, you take a ferry right from Seattle or Olympia. I don't think there's a bridge to get onto it. You still have to take a ferry. I don't think so. Um, so it's still a ferry, but it's a, a really short, sh- short okay. ferry. So yeah, I guess I, I guess I am exploring some islands, Washington islands. Yeah, yeah. So Lopez Island was great. I would go back to others, but also, you know, the last night we were there, uh, we stayed in a hotel and that was really nice. And I do think like, like it's nice to go camping, uh, but it is kind of nice to be able to end the trip, especially like take a shower, go out for a nice mm-hmm. dinner. Mm-hmm. It feel it can feel really relaxing to end a trip that way. So, yeah. What was so, so? What was your like surprising thing about this trip that you hadn't expected? Maybe just how nice it was to bike around there, because even though I had read these things about it, I still I didn't. It's weird. It's like this really interesting combination of being a rural area but with like like basically there's this little village that has some tourist infrastructure so you have like a nice coffee shop and a nice little bookstore that you can poke around in and nice little restaurants although not a lot of them were open at night this time of year but then a lot of times in rural areas you have uh busy roads with a lot of really fast traffic mm-hmm. and this had uh basically like some of the amenities of for tourists but without being super crowded and populated and without like the the locals there are clearly used to having a lot of people biking around everywhere and so that was really nice it felt for a for a rural area uh, it felt like pretty comfortable and safe to be biking around um and i think 
it was just so beautiful. I mean, it's like, you can know it's going to be pretty, but then to just get up there and just feel really lucky to be in an opportunity, like in this life to be able to see views like that and to just be in places like that was pretty spectacular. So yeah, I'd go back. Did you see, like, did you see any seals? Uh, I did. We did see some seals. Seals or otters. Yeah, we saw um, some deer and I'm trying to remember what else we saw, but the, but when we went up to where the seals were, we also ended up kind of having a long, um, conversation with just like a woman who was also hiking, who we ended up talking to. So, uh, okay. yeah. So. Disrupted the seal watching. Disrupted the seal watching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I think would you, kinda... would you, okay. So would you, what, what Island do you want to tackle next of the San Juans? Would you say, cause uh, let's I see, think... you've done, you've done, you've gone to Victoria, Canada, you know, so now you've done Lopez Island. So like, yeah, maybe what, I haven't ever next... been to, I haven't ever been to Orcas Island. I've been on San Juan Island, just like a little tiny bit, just to the little Harbor towns. So I think I would go there. I think I would go to Orcas. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I, I really like the idea of these trips that don't involve driving, but it's so much easier to drive. I, I and it was so much easier there to drive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think I, I would totally, I would, if I was going to go back to any of those places actually, and cause you know, I also took a trip to Vancouver. I think I would go to Vancouver or Victoria again, the infrastructure, the Canadians, you know, they're ahead of us on the bike. Infrastructure. <laughs> they're doing good up there. They're doing good work. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I'm thinking that, um, it would be fun to have Brock on too, because Brock and I both had two different kinds of trips up to Victoria, up to Vancouver Island a year ago. So I thought it would be fun to uh, get him on and have talk about our different kinds of conversations. Yeah. He and his wife did this like fantastic trip with bike trip with their kids, pulling them in trailers. It sounded uh, uh, much harder than my cozy staying in a hotel in Victoria. <laughs> trip. <wow. laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, I think yeah. that that sounds like such a fun trip. I mean, I love. I I went to Lopez, biked around Lopez Island in like 2017, so ages ago, and I remember just it was so beautiful too. Like, and there was a lot of farmland on the ends, like the interior of the island, and a lot of rolling hills. And I was, you know, not expecting it to feel so rural. I mean, like at one point, you're like you're just literally passing by like fields of crops and like you know, then all of a sudden there's like a whole bunch of pigs in a field, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah. That's what's so interesting about it, that there is all this tourist infrastructure concentrated in this kind of one small area and the rest of it does feel really, uh, quite rural. So it's, it's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, the San Juans are such a gem in like this part of the country. I feel like there's not, I mean, part of me is like, all right, let's not have too many people know about them, but also another part of me is like (laughs) look at what we got in the pacific northwest like this is incredible look at these islands i let's uh advocate for there to be more ways to get there other than driving so yes i would love to have an amtrak stop in anacortes or how about a ferry from seattle into the san juan islands that would be great because then you could take the train to seattle yes need to buy a boat yeah, <laughs> we'll get Ryan to take us in this little styrofoam yes. sailboat. Yes, our friend Ryan. <laughs> oh um, man, yeah, he would know all the best ways to get up there. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that um that wraps up talking about some of our summer bike adventures. Uh, we wanted to take a minute to share a little bit of business and our plans for the podcast. Uh, we are very glad to be back. And um, we do have a plan. Uh, We want to continue to record and share this podcast. And uh, we needed to find a way to make it sustainable. This podcast is a labor of love, which is to say it's, it's a volunteer gig. Right now, we are planning to release this episode this calendar year. And we are planning for about six episodes next year. And if we can't make that happen, then we are going to wind things down officially. But uh, we are optimistic that this new schedule will work for us. 
Uh, things are also going to sound a little bit different as we make a few changes in what and how we record to kind of reflect the hosts who are here now. So we want to say to our listeners, thank you so much for listening, especially if um, you subscribe and got this automatically. You were probably surprised to see it popping up in your in your podcast app. Um, we'd love to hear from you about your bikes, your bike adventures, this podcast, whatever you'd like to share. You can email us at thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at thesprocketpodcast. The Sprocket Podcast is produced by Emily Geis, Armando Luna, and Joan Pettit. We appreciate our supporters on Patreon who fund our ongoing expenses. Thanks to our past supporters, and thanks especially to our current Patreon supporters who have been hanging in there with us through some big transitions. And those folks are Paul Buchanan, Alan Kessler, Hami Romani, Rachel Moline, Kristen Graham, David Neves, Byron Patterson, Greg Murphy, Chris Sims, Joshua Miles, Philip Mueller, Dale Freeman, Dennis O'Brien, Gregory Braithwaite, Keith Hutchison, Brad Hipwell, Rory from Michigan, Campsite, Anna, Andrew, Chris Smith, and Glenn Kubish. So thanks to all those folks. Thanks to Emily and Armando for talking about our bike adventures. And um, thanks to our listeners. We really appreciate you all. Talk to you next year. Yes. <laughs> Talk to you See next you year. See you in 2024. <laughs> See you in the new year. <laughs>